You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hello, One of Us listeners. My name is Nathan Flynn. You may have heard me on a few reviews. I'm the Tron guy, and right now, I'm not here to really review any new movies. I've sort of left that life behind to really bring notice to the films that I love, because I love movies. I love them in the very core of my being. More often than not, I find myself defending the unloved, underappreciated, and in most cases, even hated films, films like Aquaman, Tron, um... Wow, I'm really a sucker for big world-building movies. But now I'm here to bring you guys a new series called In Bad Taste, where I will be getting guests from all across our massive staff at One of Us to talk about films that they love despite general perception. The movies that are joked about at parties, the movies with your low Rotten Tomatoes scores, films that, you know, maybe you're a bit embarrassed to say that you like. And normally I would say my guest today is blankety blank blank, but today my guest is myself. So if you're already sick of my voice and my take on movies, I would jump off the ship right now because I'm going to bring a little attention and praise to what I think is one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated comic book film ever made. It's Neville Dean and Taylor's Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. There's good and bad in all of us. It doesn't matter how far you run. There are some demons you just can't escape. I need your help. This child is in danger. I don't save people. If you don't help, the devil will have a new form. One more powerful than he's ever known. And a shadow will fall upon the earth. Save the boy and lift your curse. I've made a lot of mistakes. But Danny's the one good thing I ever did. That being the case, we better make sure he doesn't turn out to be the Antichrist. The rider's going to come out. He'll destroy the first guy coming. I'm not afraid of you. You should be. If I walk away now, I'm just trading one demon for another.
Plus, I have some personal issues I kind of like to get fixed. Now, a little bit of context. When 2007 rolled around and Mark Steven Johnson's Ghost Rider film came out, I was decently excited. I mean, my familiarity with Nicolas Cage is your National Treasures, your Con Airs, your The Rocks. I grew up knowing him as being one of the biggest action stars ever, but also a pretty damn good actor to boot. And we were before the point where he became a full-on meme, which I've actually loved. I enjoy this new Nicolas Cage renaissance. But my birthday rolled around and I went to go see the first Ghost Rider. And I straight up loved it as I would being an 11-year-old when it came out. I think that that movie has not held up <laughs> beyond my rewatches. The biggest thing that really holds up is Sam Elliott, who rules in that movie. And I think Nicolas Cage actually really works throughout that movie. I think he shows his love for the comics. He's miscast as all get out, but what, what can you really do? But I think he's having a lot of fun in that movie. So when they announced the sequel, and I've already rewatched it with uh, duller feelings about it at the time, also being released on my birthday, I was so excited. When February 17th rolled around in 2012, I went to go see Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, and I thought it was so much fucking fun. It's a straight-up reboot of the Ghost Rider series, and I'm not talking about an in-universe reboot like your Thor Ragnarok. I'm talking... Like, full hog, this other film didn't happen. Let's just start from scratch with the same actor. Like, your Deadpools, or... I, I Honestly, I can't think of another comparison to it at this point. This is a film that really just sort of sets its tone right away. Yeah, that is right. I'm the guy who made the deal with the devil. Now, I know what you're thinking. Doesn't this kid watch movies? Does this ever work out fine? Let's just say good judgment was not exactly my forte. I think that we so rarely get auteurs, and I will say auteurs when talking about Neville Dean and Taylor. I'm sure they don't like to think of themselves as an artistic duo, but they are. Their crank movies are unlike any movie by any other director. Well, I think it's a very psychedelic movie. I mean, it's it's not like any other studio movie I've seen before. It's quite brave, and it's... Uh, pace and also in some of the imagery you'll see their use of digital camera in almost a michael mann style way their i don't give a fuck frat boy sense of humor which is not usually my favorite but i think that they managed to find a lot of hilarious fun surreal and really frenetic shooting styles that are unlike any other filmmaker I've seen, especially in a comic book adaptation. These dudes go for it. When I saw Mark break out the, the rollerblade, rollerblades, and I'm on a motorcycle, I'm on that motorcycle, I'm on a motorway in Romania, and I'm, I can hardly ride, you know, I just learned. And he's on the back of my motorcycle with his camera and his rollerblades. I'm like, this dude is nuts. But hey, let's go for it. One of the things I think that Neville Dean and Taylor are not praised enough for is their use of Nicolas Cage. If you watch this film and you watch Mom and Dad, which is just by Taylor, 
you see a clear sense of let's just turn on the camera and let's let Nicolas Cage do whatever the fuck he wants. And he really brought that sensibility to this film. This is not your same Johnny Blaze who is eating jelly beans in the first one. This is a, a drunk, a man who is living with this beast inside of him so much that he won't go out in the sun anymore. He's just living in some shack. It's very interesting watching him have to pick himself out of his drunken stupor and <laughs> to save this kid in what is basically a B-movie homage to Terminator 2. The plot is very simple to this movie. An alcoholic French monk played by Idris Elba is trying to stop an attack by the devil played by Kieran Hines, who apparently has only Euro trash villains from a triple X movie in his group. To find this boy named Danny, if you don't know Ghost Rider Lord Danny Ketch, who will later be the new Ghost Rider, he and his mother are trying to escape. Idris Elba thinks that the only way to protect the boy is to enlist the help of the Ghost Rider. If he manages to get Danny into a safe hiding along with his mother, he will be able to rid himself of the Ghost Rider curse. That is your plot. It's simple, it's straightforward. What is not simple and straightforward are the visual sensibilities of this film. One of the things I truly appreciate about it is just how much it goes for it. The camera never stops moving. We have multiple scenes that are animated in this film. We have these action set pieces that have this like Mad Max sensibility in this vibrant color palette and this insane lighting. While being very bleak and dark in its sensibilities, we get these beautiful dark levels. We have these piercing blue skies, the toasty orange of Ghost Rider's skull, which just bringing up the visual sensibility of how Ghost Rider looks, it is a far step up from the 2007 film. He's got this charred skull that looks like this consistent eternal flame is going on. His leather jacket is literally melting onto his skin. Another one of the things I'd love to praise Neville Dean and Taylor for, and more so Nicolas Cage for being able to do, Nicolas Cage went full method when playing Ghost Rider, which is a crazy sentence to say. He wore this voodoo makeup, and he put in these black contact lenses in his eyes. His leather jacket, he sewed in thousands of year old Egyptian relics and multiple magic trinkets. He wouldn't say a word to any of his co-stars, crew, or any of the directors. If you look at any of the B-roll of Nicolas Cage without the effects, it is absolutely fascinating to watch how he moves as the Ghost Rider. He's scary as fuck the entire time. Nicolas Cage is doing some Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde shit. There's an entire scene where he is interrogating some guy, and he goes full Nicolas Cage, where the writer just wants to kill him. And all throughout, you just see Nicolas Cage purely acting like a fucking maniac who is trying to keep this demon at bay. Kerrigan must have told me about that thing that killed his men last night, huh? Yeah? That thing is inside of me. See, you're a bad man. And this thing, the writer, he feeds on bad men and he's hungry. He's hungrier than he's been years and that's why I'm shaking. 
Because right now, the only thing standing between you and the rider is me. And he's just... He's, uh, he's scraping at the door! Scraping at the door! Who am I if you don't tell me what I want to know? I'm going to let him out. It is so fascinating. I highly recommend you rewatch it just for that sequence alone. But outside of that, they do all these visual tricks. There is this character named Blackout, who is played by Johnny Whitworth. Every time he interacts with an environment, he causes it to decay. And every time you see him in a shot, it's just this weird digital, almost fish-eye lenses that are just so interesting to watch. You feel like the film is rusting as you watch it. The action scenes are very frenetic, but the car chases just have this ausploitation sensibility with them. Every time the rider jumps from vehicle to vehicle, he transforms the vehicle, and it's always interesting to watch and gives a really surreal feeling to the entire movie. It's just a blast from beginning to end. And while the script doesn't do the movie much favors due to its very, I would say, direct-to-video quality screenplay, Neville Dean and Taylor managed to cut through all that and just deliver a fun B-movie Ghost Rider film that feels like a Ghost Rider film. It's got a weird sense of humor. It's got just pure cartoonish concepts in it. It transports you to another world, a world that feels very similar to Neville Dean and Taylor's crank films, but also feels like a Garth Ennis Ghost Rider book. It's one of those films that is so begging to be R-rated, but sadly couldn't be. Even in the things holding it back, like its screenplay and its rating, it still manages to be absolutely audacious and completely in keeping with the director's sensibilities. There are moments of the Ghost Rider spinning midair after having been shot. It feels otherworldly and surreal. There are just incredible sequences that really take my breath away while remaining completely cartoonishly insane and well-paced. If you don't like Crazy Nicolas Cage, I can't recommend this movie to you. If cartoonish insanity is not for you, I do not recommend this film. If you can't just sit back and have a visual experience and have to nitpick a screenplay to death or bring your preconceived notions of how a character should be treated into it, I don't recommend it. But if you like seeing a director's full vision, if you like seeing full Nicolas Cage, if you like seeing wonderful action set pieces that have a visual sensibility, I would say similar to Michael Mann's 2006 Miami Vice or any of the previous Crank films or, say, your George Miller Mad Max Fury Road, I can't recommend this movie enough. I was actually truly shocked when I saw the reviews were as bad as they were when I saw this movie. I had an absolute blast and was actually looking forward to another one. Now, I'm glad that Marvel has the rights to this character so they can truly do some justice with them. Maybe we'll see Ghost Rider interact with Doctor Strange. But I have this sneaking feeling that I won't get that same visual spectacle that I got out of this film. And it truly upsets me. But yeah, that's my take on Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. I hope that this allows more people to give this one a rewatch, see how they feel about it, especially with 
the dialogue on Cage being a lot better than it's been now, having been post-Avengers Endgame, maybe looking for something that is off the beaten path. I think that Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance makes for a fun watch, especially on Blu-ray. If you have this on Blu-ray, I think all digital films just look incredible on Blu-ray. But that's my take. I'm so excited for you to hear other people on one of us give their own take on films that they love and i'm so excited to shut the fuck up about films that i love that are considered to be bad because i do it a bit too often i like to give other people the mic so until next time watch more movies go down these curious rabbit holes of cinema I hope that you enjoy, I hope that the films that we spotlight on this series will broaden your horizons as far as films that you watch or maybe give a film another chance. Oftentimes when I rewatch films, the film is still the same, but I'm different. And I see it happen far too often and I love it. I love that your own journey with cinema can be unique and different and become personal. If you want to hear more of my musings, you can find me on Twitter at Nathan Flynn. You can find my podcast that I run with a fellow one of us crew member, Aaron, Mission Impotable, which you can find us on Twitter at Impotable, I-M-P-O-D-I-B-L-E, and anywhere you look for podcasts. Should you want to give Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance a rewatch, it's on HBO Max. I can't wait to see some of the reactions in here. 